Welcome to Holistic Ambition, where we talk with visionary leaders who are redefining what it means to be ambitious. We cover ways you can live with more well-being, meaning, and fun in your career, business, and relationships. I'm your host, Stephanie Toma, life coach for ambitious professionals and author of Confident Introvert. Today, we have Joseph Yoon with us. Joseph is a chef who founded Brooklyn Bugs in 2017 with the mission to normalize edible insects through delicious, creative, and educational programming. Brooklyn Bugs receives grants and funding from universities, museums, and institutions with their outreach and advocacy around the importance of insect agriculture reaching millions of households through television appearances globally and regular press, including being featured in the New York Times, Boston Globe, BBC, NPR, CNN, and Popular Science, among others. Yoon views his participation in, in this global food movement as an extension of his commitment to his community. Oh my goodness. Joseph, I am so curious about your first experience eating a bug, how this all started, if that's even how it all started. Thank you, Stephanie. My first experiences eating insects were really quite benign and just one of curiosity where it might have been from going to Mexico or eating the mezcal worm uh, at the bottom of a bottle or something. And it wasn't really until I worked on this project, on an art project in 2017, where I did a little research and found that the UN's FAO, the Food and Agricultural Organization, endorsed edible insects to address food security and sustainability in their report, Edible Insects, Future Prospects for Food and Feed Security. And to find that kind of connection with food um, and to be able to address environmentalism and sustainability in such a meaningful way that really engages people, where the idea of eating insects sparks this curiosity, I would say pretty much uh, not exaggerating amongst 100% of people that I speak with. Mm. And so to take this curiosity and then to be able to connect it with food security, food justice, environmentalism, and these things with a far bigger, larger, more importance and more impact uh, that that really resonated with me and gave me a tremendous sense of motivation and inspiration. Yeah, so I'm so curious now about these tie-ins with justice and with equality. And so can you tell us a little bit more about how eating bugs ties in with these greater impacts? One of the things that I think is like really important to think of is like, what is the intention and the purpose of what motivates our actions. And on, on the surface level, when you look at a report that the UN issues and it, and it addresses food security, um, there are a lot of like topical areas where, okay, edible insects can provide a livelihood for people in a lot of areas of the world. It's nutrient dense, it's extremely sustainable. And there's a lot of science papers that support these ideas. And so those are like, just like ideas that, that are really backed up scientifically and have a great deal of, of weight and importance. But what I find is like really important is like, 
okay, so with these ideas, the notion of like, let's save the world by eating insects or something is a little bit of a, of a big leap, I think, for people to think like, oh, you're, are you saying that by eating insects, we can save the world? Actually, yes, I, I, I am actually saying that. But, but the thing is like, we're not talking about basic arithmetic. Eating insects means save the world. We're talking about some deep calculus. And what this means is that these actions that we take, not only individually, but collectively, and as, as an industry, in being able to cultivate innovation and being able to address the problems, being able to reimagine food systems and being a part of the conversation where I feel so fortunate to have been invited to COP27, the UN's climate change conference last year in Sharm el-Sheikh and be part of three, pre uh, three panels and one presentation. And to be able to work with so many universities and museums in sharing these ideas. And, and it's not this silver bullet solution like, oh, if we eat insects then we'll be able to save the world, but it can be among the ways that we can discuss these ideas and to be part of creating solutions. And so these are just some of the ways in being able to engage people. And if they can like get someone to go like, wait a minute, is he really talking about eating insects? Like, I, I wanna hear something about this. And then to be able to connect it with greater purposes, with the intention and with really a great deal of focus in committing our actions. And I think that's really something I'm really happy to share with students when I, when I go on college tour and such is that our individual actions do make a difference. And for those that, that feel disillusioned that, you know, whether voting matters or what we wear, the decisions that we make and what we eat, um, I'm, I'm happy to say that these decisions can have a great impact, not only on the community, but on a global scale as well. Yeah, so I'm hearing this huge time with sustainability and this sort of unsung hero of being nutrient dense. And I know that, um, you know, my previous life was in consumer, consumer packaged goods, CPG, for those who know the industry. And crickets um, at one point in time were pretty big. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, I have two questions here. One is if there are any uh, consumer facing brands that could be a good gateway for people that are wanting to try bugs, you know, in that way, like maybe a, a shelf stable product that you can get at a grocery store, maybe a specialty grocery store. And then my second question is around um, a favorite dish that you have even made at home that someone who's more ready to kind of get their hands in the bugs um, can begin to, to play with. You know, there's a lot of questions and like how to, transform a global mindset towards the acceptance of eating insects. And CPGs are so critical because the idea of buying a bag of crickets is a big ask for people who have never eaten crickets. But when they see the reimagination of how we can utilize, gastronomically apply insects into our food, where you don't even have to see it if you don't want. And so I think it's, while we do have incredible brands that have a lot of products that are readily available, it's the question of the horse before the cart, if you will. And like, 
at what point will we readily start seeing them available at grocery stores? And, and that's like a big thing that we're seeing um, a growth in right now are more products being readily available. But I think that one of the big challenges is that snack food and things of that nature will not create behavioral change for people to like adopt this new idea into their lifestyles. So I think that we really need to see consumer packaged goods of meals that are ready to eat. So that's, you know, we're, we're seeing this explosive growth in the industry right now. And one of the things that really excites me is that the world has collectively never spoken more about eating insects and at this very present moment. And along with that, we're able to introduce these bigger ideas of insect agriculture, where these ideas of eating insects, not just for human consumption, but that we could also utilize it and we've passed legislation for insects to be used in pet food and in animal feed, mitigating so much of the waste of us, of the practice of raising Amazonian rainforests to grow soy, to ship up to America, to then feed to our livestock. We can, we can reduce all that waste and think of new food systems. We can utilize insect excrement, the frass, as an incredible organic fertilizer that also mitigates the chemicals in our waste streams from the uh, traditional fertilizers. And there are just so many ways for us to think about reimagining the potential of insect agriculture. And so I would like to encourage like more CPGs on the shelves and like to think about new products. But along with that, we need to think about new ways for outreach and education for people to accept these ideas and to be actively looking for them and for us to be able to like actually create this psychological behavioral change and not just a bucket list checklist where it's like, I ate crickets once, that's done, but to create this real behavioral change. Um, and, and to answer the question about the, the best dish, um, I, I really like to think of if you were to buy crickets, whole crickets or cricket powder, what I really suggest for people is think about your favorite all time, like your wheelhouse dish. Like what is your go-to wheelhouse dish, Stephanie? If you were to cook for someone and you're like, okay, this is my jam. Like what, what would you say that is? Oh my goodness. You know, one of my signature dishes um, is a deep dish lasagna pizza. Oh, wow. That is, <laughs> that sounds like a TikTok viral TikTok video. In you know the what? Making. That's idea. In, in the um, <laughs> and, and so, well, what I would suggest is if you were to make a lasagna, like a cricket lasagna, you can add cricket powder into the, into the, into the marinara and you could playfully call it a ragu or bolognese and it adds flavor and protein. Two tablespoons of cricket powder have 13 to 15 grams of protein. And that's really jam packed and amazing. They also have all nine essential amino acids. They're packed with vitamin uh, B12 and other minerals and nutrients. And so just like a really super smart food. Mm. If you're a little higher level and you want to be like, okay, let me make my own lasagna pasta. You can add the cricket powder to the pasta. If you want a little crunch in there, uh, you, you can like 
fry up some of the crickets and make like a little crispy, crunchy topping. And so there are a lot of ways that, that you can integrate insect protein. And the only limitation is really with our own imaginations. And so what I really suggest to people, instead of thinking of like a new recipe, new ingredient, just think about how you could bugify an existing dish that you have that, that you can add insect protein as a substitute. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, I love this call. It's almost, it's reminds me of how, how moms might sneak in, you know, assuming the mom is the cook of the family, she might sneak in pureed broccoli, you know, into her kid's food. It's like, Hey, you can do that with yourself and bugs if you're still getting used to it. Um, and I love just the emphasis on protein that really keeps us feeling full and the amino acids yeah. you mentioned. And, um, yeah, it's reminding me of in Mexico, it's so common. It's standard practice. When you order guacamole, there are, you know, fried little larva bugs that are in there unless you ask to not have them. <laughs> so yeah, so black ants and normal. yeah, black ants and chapolinas and also the agave worms are really regular. And there are actually over, there's like five to 600 species of insects that they eat in Oaxaca. And mm. so- and, and also, since we're bringing this up, there are over 80% of the world's nations that already regularly consume insects and over 2 billion people that regularly consume them as well. And so it's already a practice that, that we, we see globally around the world that's been around since the beginning of human evolution. And so we just need to create this perceptional shift because of our cultural stigmas and attitudes towards the idea of eating insects, but it allows for us to learn about new ideas, new cultures, and really tap into this like ancient future, something that taps into this ancient knowledge, indigenous practices, and giving a platform to listen to indigenous peoples who have this like tradition of eating insects and to be able to apply these sort of, this sort of indigenous knowledge to address future solutions and to address future problems with these solutions. And so these, these are some of the things that I really, that really inspire me and really like continue to motivate me to find new ways to find new champions and to listen and to work with new people to really be part of uh, being a part of like creating these solutions. You know, what's really standing out to me is um, ancient future. What yeah. concept. And, you know, it, it kind of, I, I'm curious to dive into to that conceptually a little bit more um, through the lens of consuming uh, bug protein, where, um, yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so this is, again, like an ancient practice. And if we culturally look back on humans eating more protein, as a way for our brain size to increase and for us to think and be able to rationalize and to really develop. And insects were among the first things that we were eating at this, at this time. And through a lot of the period, we, we've been eating insects and relying on it for so long. And this idea that we can take this ancient practice and be able to apply it in a modern context where we're not just going like, okay, let's 
let's go harvest insects in the field because that's that's not reasonable. We're going to destroy the ecosystem. There, are, th that's a problematic solution. And so what we're doing is taking this ancient practice, but thinking of ways to be able to vertically farm them in urban areas, in rural areas, and to be able to apply the science and technology to hopefully be able to ultimately create a one bucket solution. Because we have modern technological farms right now with so many incredible data points. Aspire Food Group started this farm up in Ontario, Canada, the, the largest indoor cricket farm that have 13 million data points every day measuring the pH level, the humidity level, the amount of grams of food, the weight of this massive facility. And so what we're able to do with that kind of technology is think about how we can address a manner where maybe we can propose and think about, innovate a way for us to have a one bucket solution where people around the world can create the protein necessary with potentially one bucket. And so these are just like small examples of ways of that we can think about creating new solutions, new paradigms of thinking about traditional practices, utilizing this knowledge and being able to apply like future technology to be able to like address the ancient future. Certainly, and, and parallels that are coming up from what you're sharing is the coming back to meditation as being more mainstream, the coming back to uh, different, you know, talk about new paradigm, even new practices that really help connect people with the earth, unplugging from technology more. You know, there is this, this um, movement is a part of a collective global impact. And I think that's likely why it's resonating with people. You know, of course, there's the curiosity. And with the curiosity comes the opportunity to transform the global mindset towards an acceptance and even embracing once again, uh, you know, this, this ancient practice that was once so common that for whatever reason kind of fell off. And I'm curious, are there any brands that you would name drop that you think are doing a good job, whether it be, let's say, a ground cricket powder that you like, if someone were to, let's say, right now or right after watching or listening, go ahead and like, um, you know, search online for something they can order or a certain... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I mean, we, we actually have a, a line of products at, at Rep and Bugs uh, that, we, that we sell through EntoSense. Uh, they have a brand called Ento Market. Uh, with an incredible diversity of insects. Uh, we also have Entomo farms that have uh, that are also based in Ontario that have a lot of different uh, cricket and cricket powder products. Poppy Planet, Three Cricket Tears, Jim and Eats Crickets. Um, there are so many. And, and some of these are like small farms uh, based in the Midwest that are women owned as well, like, like Jim, and Eat, Jim, Jim and Eat Crickets. Um, and, and three cricketeers are based in Minnesota. Um, and, and so there are a lot of different brands out there, a lot of different options. And the innovation that's happening around insect, uh, edible insects and insect ag doesn't just stop at human consumption of eating insects, like I said. And we're seeing this tremendous growth in pet food 
and 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 also with and, and for some people that are like a little hesitant they're not sure about eating insects like even being able to like go like okay so i can reduce my carbon footprint by feeding my my pets cricket dog food like that can be like one step closer to them being like okay my my pets are eating them uh this is like food a food source and being able to get exposed to it more uh in marketing they say that you know sometimes you need seven points of engagement to adopt new ideas and so i'm always like, just very grateful to like share these ideas that yes eating insects is common practice and one of the things that actually works really well in my favor is that a lot of times people think that insects are going to taste gross like without even having eaten them and what i love is that you know it takes a certain knowledge of how to prepare crickets or insects in order to be able to prepare them deliciously like imagine if you went to a diner and spaghetti's your favorite food and some diner prepared it horribly are you going to forever like write off eating spaghetti or are you going to go like okay that was poorly prepared and i think that sometimes people just buy like a old dusty box of crickets at a gift shop <laughs> in a museum or somewhere and those are a lot of them are generally not going to be like uh you know it, it's like kind of like trying to eat beef for the first time and eating like beef jerky and it's not like there are different applications of how we can prepare the food and so that that's really the big growth that I'm hoping to see is to see more chefs like introducing them on their menus at restaurants and to see a greater like growth gastronomically and um you know to, for me to continue working with culinary schools and different sort of programs that allow for this greater understanding it's uh it's really great to be a to be a part of really historically changing this perception towards the acceptance of eating insects and really defining what insect agriculture is uh as well at the same time yeah and it, it's it's almost like this call to allow yourself to get creative get curious even more to find the prime rib versus the beef jerky of the bug eating experience and 100% yes yes although you know so this is a big point that 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 I want to would that I'd like to bring up is that a lot of times people are very triggered and go to extreme ideas when they think of eating insects mm -hmm. and one of the common sort of myths is that we want to take away all your meat and just feed you bugs but that is not even something that we're suggesting we're not trying to take away from you we're trying to add to your diet to diversify your diet with a nutrient dense sustainable and delicious form of protein and so if we were even to incorporate edible insects into our diets just once a week even that would have a tremendous impact on the environment just like the idea of like meatless mondays So before going off the edge on some extreme idea or some conspiracy wormhole we could take things step at a time and like you know just uh try eating one insect dish and and then uh maybe try considering like I'm going to try doing this every Thursday for one month uh, as a way to like try to think about ways that you can incorporate them into your diets
See, and I love that call for simple tweaks. We all are familiar with meatless Mondays. And actually, I'm kind of curious to dive into the topic of certainly there are people that don't eat animal products. These are insects. It's a little bit different. So let's say that a pescatarian is someone who maybe only has fish, but not other meat sources. I'm wondering, mm -hmm. is there a term for someone who maybe is vegetarian except for bugs? And how can someone who is vegetarian reconcile, you know, eating bugs yeah. from a sustainability standpoint? Yeah. So, I mean, people can make, can call themselves entotarian, entarian, because ento is the Greek derivative for entomo for, for insects. Uh, and, and, to, and, and so you, the question about vegetarians or vegans Eating is such a personal decision, especially the idea of taking something, putting it in your mouth and eating it, being a source of your sustenance. And so a lot of times people try to pigeonhole like, oh, I'm a vegetarian, I'm a pescatarian. I try not to be so judgmental. And for the people that are looking for a sustainable nutrient-dense source of protein, insects are an incredible solution and potential. But what I think is like really important is like, if you're a vegetarian for ethical reasons, and you don't want and, and you believe in the sentient, sort of the sentience of all living things, and you don't want to kill something, uh, how do they reconcile the plants and the mushrooms? That's a separate conversation. But yeah. so I think that for every person, they need to make this deci decision themselves. It's like, okay, because insects have a, a, a far lesser developed neurological system, their pain receptors are like far less than, than traditional livestock um, and, and, their, and their brain capacity is far less, I'm willing to consider eating insects. Um, and for some people, it's just quite simply, oh, it's a sustainable food source, I'm willing to try it. And so I think everyone has to come to that decision on their own of whether they wanna try eating them and I think they can like just kind of um, put the definitions aside because I'm sure we all know people that are like, uh, I, I'm a vegetarian and then they're, they're at a party like eating things and stuff. And I never judge people for that. It's, it's just like, you know, whatever makes people feel comfortable. And for me as a chef, I want people to feel nourished. I want them to feel beautiful. I don't want them to feel judged because they want to label themselves a certain way. And so I think like this sort of openness and non-judgmental inclusivity is sort of the, 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 the big takeaway and attitudes that I like to share with people when sharing insect food so that they don't feel like I'm, I'm like judging them or thinking in any way that this is like superior or something, um, and, and, you know, to like what they're, well, it, it is a superior thing, I guess, <laughs> but, but I, you know, it's like, this is all a decision that we all have to make individually. And I, and I, and I respect people's decision on, on what they choose to eat. Right. And, you know, when it comes to, especially pioneering, bringing this ancient wisdom to the modern day through your work, uh, that's not without trolling. That's not without having some negativity, you know, thrown your way. And I'm sure anyone watching, whether you are specifically in the edible bug industry or not, if you're doing something innovative, there will be people that have something to say that maybe isn't, you know, that's a little bit confronting. So yeah, how do you combat the negativity that comes your way around eating insects? Well, there's uh, you can imagine that there's a lot um, that that come along with this, 
And I, and I love to be able to really, uh, for all the naysayers and such, um, just kill them with kindness. And, <laughs> just, <laughs> and, and, and just really be able to demonstrate that like, you know, that I'm not triggered. I, I don't need you to like my food, right? But if you have a willingness to engage in the dialogue and conversation with me, then I will respectfully listen to what you have to say and engage in this dialogue. And I think that the learning lessons here that I can share as uh, and, uh, someone who works with a lot of college students and grade schools is that we don't have to be triggered by other people's like negativity. And so it takes a certain thick skin and sort of conviction for me to really believe in my work, not to be triggered. And it also allows for me to, to just really set an example that if they do go the trolling route and don't have anything positive to lend, I don't have to lower myself to address them and have them control the narrative. And so it's really easy for me just to like kind of go forward and just continue with the work that I'm doing and really share this like through the prism of like hope and optimism. I think that the idea of climate change and activism is often like rooted around the sense of like catastrophe and this doom and gloom. And I love to share the narratives of the great potential of the innovation, of the hope and optimism that we can share through the prism of eating insects. And you know, that brings us to a question that I love to ask our guests on Holistic Ambition. It's how do you define ambition for yourself, for your industry? I really believe in fearlessly dreaming the impossible. If you had told me five years ago or five and a half years ago before I really started with Brooklyn Bugs that I would be touring the world as an edible insect ambassador, working with all these incredible universities and museums and being a spokesperson with like just such an incredible platform. I would have been like, wait, do, doing what? Like cooking food? Like what am I cooking that that has this sort of impact. And I allowed myself the space to metamorphosize and to grow wings and to let go. And to be able to let go and not have this be driven by finances, where it's like, okay, I need to, you know, there, there probably have been exit strategies I could have taken by accepting CPG sort of like endorsements and things that I could have like had that has a bigger financial payout. But I love that I really believe and I love sharing this idea that money cannot buy happiness. And I am so content and grateful to be on this path that I am. And so I really embrace this opportunity. I take this this gift of this platform that I have with great respect and humility. And so it's with these ideas that I am able to like truly be able to like fearlessly pursue my ambitions 
without a sense of hubris, but one of like great humility and gratitude. And yeah, Joseph, what I'm really sort of sensing is this being led by the sense of integrity where let's say money is not the sole purpose or the, or even the catalyst for the change that you're, you're here to make, but you know, from really living your purpose, there are so many professional doors that have, that have opened. There are lucrative opportunities that you have the ability to say yes or no to. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a beautiful depiction of ambition when you're following it from a really deeply rooted place like you are that you couldn't have even predicted five and a half years ago. And yet you got this inclination, this information, and here you are. And that brings us to the question of what does holistic ambition mean to you? Maybe in a word or if a key phrase happens to come up. Well, when I think of holistic practices and ambition, I think that it's like having a healthy approach and attitude that's sustainable. And what, what that means to me, not sustainable in the sense of the environment, but sustainable for our own well-being. And I think that it's so important to have a, a holistic approach to ambition because we all know people that have burnt out and that can like be so ambitious, but don't have a good sort of balance in their life. And so for me, I, I know that I'm certainly very guilty of working ferociously running at a sprint pace on a marathon track and just going until I fall down, kind of like taking a moment to, to like breathe and like just launching off again and like taking great chances because I believe and I feel so grounded in my inner circle with my family and my dear friends who give me this sense of grounding that allows for me to take great chances. And so among the things that I think are like so important in life is to nurture the people that are close around you, your friends and your family. And that has really given me the opportunity to have this holistic sense of ambition to really go for it in ways that I never thought would have been possible. And, um, you know, I, I could probably do a little more this year in trying to be have a little more of a holistic approach to, to this. Um, but I've had this feeling that when I first started five and a half years ago and started getting like major press and opportunities, it's like, I don't know how long this is going to last. I have to ferociously do this. And I found like a little balance in the past five and a half years to like kind of be a little not as manic in my approach, but but I am really happy to find like this balance, even though I am ferociously, just fearlessly like going for it. And I love to share this like passion and ambition. Um, and maybe when I when I start uh, continuing my my tour dates later, college tour dates later this year. I'll start introducing more of an idea of holistic ambition. Thanks to you, Stephanie. Ah, that is wonderful. What a beautiful tie-in here with, you know, leading with that fearlessness. And, you know, I can definitely sense in how you talk about this topic that it, it's a true passion that you've honed and cultivated. And, and the most important aspect is actually sharing that when you get to that place. Yeah. So, 
you know, for people that want to stay connected and learn more about you, how can they do that? Um, BrooklynBugs.com and uh, Brooklyn, I'm, I'm on all the social media platforms, Brooklyn Bugs. Um, and, uh, you know, I love to hear from people and, and uh, be of assistance when I can. And so, uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing from people that, uh, that may be interested in knowing more about eating insects or insect agriculture. Thank you for tuning in to Holistic Ambition. This is Stephanie Thomas saying goodbye for now and inviting you to take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.